Dan and Amy, and we spent a lot of time on this show talking about uh, K through post-secondary education. Got our Campus Beat segment, try and keep you updated, make good decisions for your kids as it pertains to their education. Amy, make sure Peyton and Eli stay on the straight and narrow. Uh, And so we uh, like to update you as to the bad examples and the good examples. And the complete picture, we talk a lot about uh, leftism on campus. And uh, so many op-eds now have been written in the last several months, starting with Andrew Sullivan's in New York Times Magazine. We're all on a college campus now these days. Uh, We talk about college professors and uh, incidents, instances, celebrate instances of, you know, wild conduct by college professors. Um, What about university administrators? There's this uh, piece by Samuel Abrams, who um, shockingly uh, is a uh, political science professor at Sarah Lawrence College. That's the girls' college that Rom went to. Right. Well, he's a dance major, a Uh ballerina. Yeah, he was right. Exactly. Uh, Somebody's got to dance, Dan. Samuel Abrams uh, looked at um, the bureaucracy at universities, focused so much on the professorate. What about the bureaucracies? He points out that schools are increasing their hiring in areas such as residential life and student centers, office of student life and success, offices of inclusion and engagement, and so on and so forth. So he did a survey, national representative nationally representative sample of roughly 900 student-facing administrators, those who, whose work concerns the quality and character of a student's experience on campus. He found liberal staff members outnumber their conservative counterparts by 12 to 1. 6% of cap- campus administrators identify as conservative to some degree. 71% classify themselves as liberal or very liberal. And I guess this isn't a surprise. I mean, this is the ratio in a lot of academic departments in a lot of colleges as well. Uh, But he writes, it's no wonder so much of the non-academic programming on college campuses is politically one-sided, just as is the coursework. For more on this topic, on the other side of the equation, really, Roger Ream joins us. He's the president of the Fund for American Studies, the Fund for American Studies, which takes uh, uh, provides programming for uh, college students as well as high school students in a range of disciplines, economics, journalism, uh, and uh, international studies. I actually, Amy, am a graduate of the Fund for American Studies program. Oh, you are? Yeah. Did you bring some of your paperwork in? No, I. I Do you I, have some of his work? I brought Roger Riemann. We've got his file. We've got yeah. his file. Right. So do we you can, still have it? Yeah, I'm sure we do. Roger, thanks so much. Yeah. <laughs> well, they've, they've obviously they've memorialized my time there. Oh, right. Yes. Okay. I'm very prominent. Very prominent. They've shadow graduate. boxed your work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Roger, thanks so much for joining us. Um, uh, we'll talk a little bit about Fun for American Studies uh, in a moment, but just want you to get get your reaction to um, the continued scholarship in this space of what a college campus looks like these days, the professorate as well as the administrators. Well, I'll, I'll give you one quick indication of how we notice this, because we recruit hundreds of students from around the country who go to lots of colleges and universities. They come to our program for a summer semester, and a few years ago we started noticing a difference in the students. Uh, it reflected what, you know, we're hearing this word coddled, that the students are mostly from these administrators, I think. They're uh, told uh, that they're fragile. They need to be protected from ideas they might not agree with or that might challenge them. And we were getting a lot of pushback from the things we teach about free enterprise, about our Constitution, from students. Right. 
And so we've had to undertake uh, the last few years an orientation of sorts to impress on them the importance of the First Amendment, of free speech, the importance of being willing to hear ideas you might not agree with. And I do think, while as you cited those statistics from Professor Abrams, I think a lot of this is coming from the administrators because even if 35 or 40 colleges have adopted the Chicago principles about free speech, it's the administrators who talk to students about this when they arrive on campus, who, who do the orientation for students and, and are responsible for implementing these ideas. And, and it's interesting because the Fund for American Studies program, I should hasten to add, mm-hmm. uh, has students, I remember from going there, has students that are liberal too. It's yeah. not just for conservatives. So, so there is dialogue in the economics class that you take as part of, and then you do an internship in the D.C. area. But the economics class, I remember these dialogues with students who didn't agree with me, were not free enterprise oriented, were not uh, originalists when it came to the Constitution. And so it really is an interesting mix of young people because, as you say, they're from all over the country, but they have a wide range of opinions on these topics. Oh, yeah. I'd say the majority of our students come more from the center left, particularly true of those that attend our journalism program. Uh, the business program may be a little bit the other way, but it's a, it's a quite a range of views, which makes a healthy in learning environment when you're in the dorms at night talking about what you've been learning in class, and you can have great debates and, you know, the bull sessions uh, and uh, challenge each other. And so we have to do extra steps at orientation to prepare students for that kind of dialogue to take place in the classroom and outside the classroom. Doesn't it just uh, amaze you at what has happened? I mean, do you feel like your hands are tied? Oh, our hands aren't quite tied because we can overcome it. Uh, I think, you know, what we notice, Amy, is that because they haven't really had much exposure to these ideas, that once you let them hear a little bit and and you take a non-political approach to teaching these ideas as tools that can help them be better at analyzing issues, they're receptive. Uh, But it is amazing that, you know, they come to us the way they do so often. Give us uh, the backstory on the Fund for American Studies, and, and more specifics uh, on the, the programming that you guys provide? Well, we, we were founded 50 years ago, and the vision is to bring students who we think have, are going to be leaders in the future, going into journalism, public policy, politics, and other fields like that, and give them the opportunity to spend a summer or a semester in the nation's capital. Uh, they'll go to the, the Congress, the White House, the Department of State and Defense, and learn about these institutions and what they do. They'll study in the classroom, free market economics, uh, learn about uh, the Constitution, and they'll have internships for the length of the uh, summer semester where they gain practical experience. And now we're proud that so many of our alums are our leaders. They've served in Congress. They're radio talk show hosts I mean, look at, in major yeah. markets. We're, we're with one right now. Right, isn't That's that right. boy? It's, it's such a model. Grace the Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. So how did you get involved, uh, Ian? I mean, what... Uh, I found out about the program because, you know, I read, uh, and I've been reading for some time. Yes. And uh, I thought it was interesting. Actually, the thing that most attracted to me was interesting because it was going to take a couple of courses during the summer at at, uh, Georgetown where you could get credit for, number one. But it was more just take a couple of courses, one in economics, one in international relations. And uh, I I knew of the economics professor that taught the course there, who's now since passed, unfortunately, George Vixnens, who was amazing. I mean, he's like a, you know, like a Friedmanite um, and uh, and really colorful and fun and interesting. So that plus the internship piece of it was interesting to me. So I had had any real exposure to D.C. when I was I think I did this my sophomore year after my sophomore year at Northwestern. 
hadn't really had exposure. I thought, well, this is a cool way to do it. It'd take a couple classes, yeah. live on the campus of Georgetown, so it's relatively affordable, and then uh, be able to do an internship in D.C. And I, so I just think it brought to, and then you know interact with uh, where was your internship? Young minds around the country. I did Legal Services Corporation, which uh, provides um, funding for civil legal representation for indigent clients. Okay. So it was all right. It was fun. It was fun. It was a good part of the program. But the internship, that combination of the the internship, the kind of professional experience plus the academic experience, I thought makes your program relatively unique. Yeah, most of the students who who come to our program come because of the internship. They're looking for a chance to gain experience. And uh, we guarantee them an internship placement that hopefully is closely aligned with their major, their their career interest. And uh, the, co the courses we require them to take are kind of the cost of coming. Uh, but we have outstanding professors. We've found others like Professor George Vixens who teach every summer. And uh, the students rate the professors very highly. And we do a lot of pre and post testing of the students when they've gone through our program. And we, we found this summer 96% of the students said they learned a much better appreciation of the First Amendment than they had when they came. Well, Over 90% yeah. uh, sh showed they learned a lot more about economics than they had yeah. before. And, and we asked them when they arrived, only 20% of the students on the orientation day said they thought capitalism was superior to socialism. Wow. So that tells wow. you, and it was up to like 70% when they left. So we didn't get them all, but, but at least you, you they've been exposed to the part, ideas yeah, of that, that prosperity is... Tied yeah. to capitalism, doing, doing the Lord's work, and and also it it shows that right somebody who's twenty years old who thinks Alexandria Ocasio Cortez is cool is not lost forever. That's you right. know they just need a little exposure to other ideas, right, and to the evidence. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And we were we were lucky. I had a, a tech whiz on my staff in the early '90s, and she grabbed the uh, website dcinternships.org right when the internet was being developed. So a lot of students type in inter, inter, internships in their browser, oh. and they come to our dcinternships.org website and find out about our programs. Now, are you trying to get into uh, the high school uh, space as well in terms of uh, you know, enlisting students to have experiences like this? Yeah, we just uh, joined forces with another organization, the Foundation for Teaching Economics, FTE, and we do programs around the country on college campuses for high school students in the summer, a week-long Economics for Leaders program. We're doing uh, training and curriculum for teachers, lessons for teachers of economics in the high schools, because I think you do have to start earlier to reach young people who don't have an appreciation for our free market economic system. And that's been great. Uh, we'll reach uh, you know, several uh, thousand high school students directly and then a lot more through the teachers we train. So we've got this continuum now of high school, college, and then programs for young professionals, journalism, fellowships, things like that. And we get this question all the time because we talk about uh, education and higher ed all the, a lot on this show, which is, okay, you know, what are some schools that you would recommend my son or daughter consider? Because I, I do not recommend where I went, Northwestern, unless you want to be, you know, despised like I was on campus, which I enjoyed. It's fine, but it's a certain personality type that, that wants that experience. And uh, also we've got, we've, got, we've got Peyton and Eli, Amy's kids, oh, yeah. and we're trying to prevent them from uh, going down the, the dark path she went to going to the University of Iowa. <laughs> we, want her, we want them to go to an accredited college. I got an A in basket weaving. <laughs> so, it was underwater basket weaving. So, I mean, uh, so how, how, you know, and I'm sure you get that question all the time too. So yeah. w w how do you tell people to conceive of making educational choices in conjunction with or for their kids? Well, you have a lot of trade-offs you have to weigh in terms of what your 
son or daughter might want to study uh, engineering or liberal arts uh, and uh, what size school is the right fit. You know, there are some great uh, schools that offer a good education about our, our Constitution and uh, uh, the liberal arts like Hillsdale College and Grove yeah. City College in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, Mitch Daniels, the president of Purdue, has served on our board, and I think he's doing great things at Purdue University. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. You know, and he's requiring engineering students there to take liberal arts courses and, and learn something about the, the social sciences and humanities. Uh, so there, there are a lot of factors. You know, I, I sent two of my children to the University of Virginia, which I think has always had a pretty good diversity on its faculty. You know, you always worry about the big publics. But uh, you, there are a lot of things you should look at. But I would ask, uh, when you go to visit a campus, I'd ask questions like, can you show me any evidence of what students learn in their four years here? That's good. And, uh, you know, uh, what about the intellectual diversity of your faculty? Uh, most trustees don't even ask those questions at board meetings, and those are questions they should be asking to the, the faculty and the administrators of these universities. Uh, that's good questions. Uh, the uh, Fund for American Studies program, how does it work? Where do people get more information if they if college students that want to uh, – want to consider uh, applying for the program? Yeah, at dcinternships.org, you can find all the information for students who want to, uh, might want to attend or apply to our program. We offer a great number of scholarships. 80% of the students get scholarships to attend. And then we have a website that's TFAS, our initials, TFAS.org, and that kind of presents the whole uh, suite of programs that we offer for high school, college, and, and young professionals. Great. He is Roger Ream. He's the president of the Fund for American Studies, TFAS.org, .org, and DCinternships.org. DCinternships.org. Is it too late for me to apply? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think there should be, you know, like there's a... Uh, you can have a grandma. There's like a senior <laughs> hall of fame, right? There's yeah. like, you know, you get like the people that were passed over the first time didn't, and that you can bring them in as seniors. So it's uh, kind of the same thing for like graduates uh, of University of Iowa in the late 60s. Maybe we can give you an honorary diploma from our there, uh, Right. So. There you go. All right. Very good. Roger Ream, president of the Fund for American Studies, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you.